You are listening to MasteringLaw.com. We are dedicated to fellow attorneys and helping you figure out how to make more money easier, more enjoyable, and really make the most out of your law practice. I'm Tom Goolsby, your host on all of these podcasts, and I dedicate myself on these to trying to share with you what I've learned over I guess about 25 years of practicing law, and then I've had successful businesses before that. So I try to bring, and I have an MBA along with my law degree, so I try to bring all of my business experience to bear. was a managing partner for many years of a law firm that varied in size from two to about seven or eight at one point. And I've enjoyed my law practice for the most part. We always have our ups and downs, the times that we really like what we're doing and the times we don't. But it has been very good to me, very successful for me. And that's what this is all about, is sharing those successes, that knowledge. And I love to hear back from you. You can always mail us, masteringlawatlive.com. Email us there. We love to hear from you. Follow us also on Facebook and Twitter. And we just love your feedback. Now, this episode is on time management the right way. And it may end up being a two-parter. I'm going to monitor how much time I've spent, and I may break this down because when I started making all my notes, I had written a bunch about this. Then I sat down earlier today and started putting my notes together to actually do the broadcast, and I just kept filling up pages of things. So we'll see how much I can push through. Now, let me give you a few caveats about time management. Okay, this is not going to be about endless smothering lists, tasks, and more work just to fill up your time for things that you're never going to do, okay? That is not what I do. I try to hack all this so that indeed what we talk about is our, our action items, things you can actually do that are going to help you out a great deal. So I, I endeavor never to give you a bunch of bunk and simply stuff I've read in other books or somewhere and, and then just sort of fill you full of just crap. No, I've, I've boiled this down, and I'm going to try to give you everything that you need to really make it worthwhile. And again, let's focus on time, because it truly is the only thing that we really have to manage as lawyers. And it's not only our time, it's our staff's time. So we have to think about time in general for us and for the people that work for us. First, stop interruptions. Number one, those just-a-minute meetings, the email, the phone calls, the constant, you can't get anything done because you have constant interruptions, okay? I know lawyers, and it's like me. When I get finished with court in the mornings, I typically go to the coffee shop so I can sit there in silence and get things done. I do a lot of my work there, things that I just know I have to get done on my own, before coming back to the office and having other things occur. And I just like sitting there with a cup of coffee all alone in a different environment. I'm very productive there. And I have certain things that I do. So first thing you got to do is you've got to set up protocols for stopping interruptions or some way for you to do that. And again, not just you, but for your staff too. And we'll talk more about that as we go along. But it might be simply putting yourself in another place. It might be doing a bunch of things at home before you leave to come into the office. It might be going home for lunch and doing some things there at lunch or after lunch. It can be any number of things. It doesn't have to be walling yourself off in your office 
with an F off sign on the door and threats to staff because it's probably not going to be practical. It's probably not going to work. The other thing you've got to remember, as, I, as I've spoken about two times already, is you probably screw with your staff's time quite a bit. How often do you jump up from your desk, run into a staff member's office, an associate attorney, another partner, whatever it might be, and you screw up their time because you've got something that's pressing for you, maybe for the firm as a whole, maybe not. Maybe it's just something you're annoyed by that you want to stop, and you screw up their productivity. So think about all of this you know, together, not just how do I keep people from screwing up my time. Now, let's talk about multitasking before we jump into some real hacks on, on how to get more things done. It is not the answer. A lot of people think, hey, I'll check my voicemail, take phone calls, write memos, do all this stuff at the same time. I'll jump up and down. I'll be in the middle of three tasks at once. I will tell you that all the studies out there show it is not efficient. The studies show that switching tasks, okay, our brains burn out. If you've listened to past, in fact, I think it's the last podcast we did about optimizing your brain power. If you've not heard it, you need to hear it. Because the one thing that we talk about is all these studies on the human brain show that our brain tries to do things to actually not have to overwork itself. And when you do work it, it does get tired. You start making mistakes. I mean, they've done task um, analysis. They've done uh, testing on the brain, and they found out over and over again that people's brains work good for a certain amount of time, and then without a break, your performance goes down. Well, it's very important that you make sure that when you are focusing on a task, that you're focusing on that task. Switching between tasks burns up more mental energy that you could otherwise use on actually getting something productive done. The goals should be what you're, what you're focusing on. If you are going to check your email because it's that one or two times a day that you do it, and you'll hear me talk about this later, you don't check email throughout the day. Nothing is so important with email that you have to check it throughout the day. It's like, you know, do you get up every five minutes and run out and see if the postman's come? Maybe if you're waiting for something specific, but you know what's better than that is you have a staff person let you know at the appropriate time that the item you are waiting for has come. You don't run out every five minutes and check the mail. So a lot of people listening to this podcast, you know, constantly all day long, you're interrupting your train of thought to go check the email just because it's there. Stop it. We're going to talk about how to actually make that work. So goals should be the focus of what you're doing. Multitasking causes constant resets. Okay, you lose your trains of thought. You, you, you switch your focus again and again and again. Like I said, it wears you out prematurely. And it does a number of other things, like your intuition, like your deep thoughts, like the things that you, that as you really get into something and you have these moments where all of a sudden something really comes to you, you know, serendipity drops from heaven and you're like, oh yeah, a moment of awareness that you get because you're deeply focused on something. You don't get that if you're dropping around from task to task to task. So number one, stop multitasking. It's not the answer. Now, we do have to focus on one task at a time. How do we do that if we've got a lot of things to do? Well, one thing 
that you'll hear over and over, and I try to do this as much as I can, and it's batch processing. Say you've decided to do what I like to do, and that is to put out a weekly newsletter. You've got a MailChimp list, you add people to your email list, and you grow it. Maybe you actually print one out and send it out to certain clients. Not a bad thing to do either. We'll talk more about that in future podcasts, about how you can actually use old school newsletters as well as email newsletters. But say you, say you produce a newsletter every week. Well, instead of every week stopping what you're doing, focusing on that one item, how about batch processing? whether it's newsletters or whatever it might be that you do, how about doing four newsletters, a whole month's worth, once, a, once every month, and you spend 30 minutes, 45 minutes, an hour. Maybe in the interim, you've got a, a, a special little file folder in your email that when you see interesting emails that are stuff you can actually use on it, you might throw them in there. You might have Evernote, you might mark them, you might do whatever you want to do, so then you can find it later. But as far as focusing on a task, how about batch processing? That is something, and again, start thinking about the things that you do repetitively. Instead of doing them once a week, could you do two months worth once every two months? You know, could, could you get that monkey off your back and simply batch a lot of them? That's one way to really increase your focus and your time management and you get geared up, go ahead and knock them all out at once. Batch processing is one. Now to the email. Okay, if you're an email addict, start figuring out the time of day or the two times of day that you will check your emails and deal with them. Now we're going to have a future broadcast where we're going to talk specifically about touching things one time. We'll get into that later, but as far as dealing with your emails right now. You need once a day or twice a day that you deal with it, and you need a strict time period for doing that, period. A strict time period for dealing with emails. You don't sit down and say, I'm going to go through these emails, and it'll take as long as it takes, because we've talked about Parkinson's Law before, right? The more time you have to do a task, the longer it will take. So what you do is you give yourself X number of minutes to go through those emails and only in an emergency situation do you actually expand that time because you can come back to it later. And remember, emails are what? They're other people's agenda for you most all the time. It's not your agenda. It's somebody else's. Now, if it's a new client that may be wanting to hire you, a potential client, if it's an existing client and you've got an emergency, okay, that's fine. You prioritize those things. But again, you do what needs to be done. You do it in the shortest amount of time period you block for yourself that you can realistically do it. You pay attention to that clock and then you stop. You stop and you go on to something else because if you don't monitor it, it'll just take up time and time and time and you'll put off the critical things that you actually need to do. And in that future broadcast that deals with exactly this same subject about touching stuff only once, before you actually move it along, we're going to talk more about some, some similar things as far as how to prioritize what it is you do. So we've got, got more coming, so just hang on on that. Rome was not built in a day. We're not going to solve everything you need to do in a day, and you need to realize that, okay? There are certain priority items you want to get done during the day. We're going to talk about setting up five of those, but that's for a later broadcast. So let's keep moving on this. Again, the thing to remember about email 
once or twice a day, set a specific time for it and a time limit for it, and realize it's other people's agenda. Now, callbacks, phone calls that come into your office. Do you have to take a phone call when it comes into your office? First off, you're a busy attorney. People expect that. Now, if you have your staff trained up in your phone protocols, like we've given another podcast on, if you're not listening to that, put that on your bucket list to listen to. But telephone protocols, your staff needs to deal with those phone calls. They need to find out who it is, what they're calling about, what you can do for them when they're available for you to call them back because you're either in court, which is always a great excuse. People here, if you're a trial attorney, you're a courtroom attorney, hearing that he's in court right now, that's always an excuse, a good excuse. If you're in meetings, if you're in this, if you're not available, if you're out of the office on a a client matter, people can understand that. But what you need to do is not allow phone calls to just be nothing but distractors throughout your day. You let those phone calls get banked up. You get the email, like we talked about, from your staff saying who it is, what the subject is, and their callback number. So you can just put one button on your iPhone or your Android, and it calls that person back, or you call from your office phone. I prefer, and I have found it may not work for you, I use my cell phone constantly. I prefer to talk on my cell phone. I can move around on my cell phone. I can be somewhere else. People expect me to be. It's so much easier for me to use my cell phone. And then, of course, once I respond to the phone call, I then send that email back to my staff with the action that I had done, what they need to do, calendar it, collect the money, send forms, intake matters, all that. So again, you batch that. You don't return phone calls throughout the day. You don't have your staff come through to you constantly interrupting you while you're trying to get your work done. So again, we're batching those. We're batching our email. We're batching the stuff that we do on a weekly basis or even a daily basis. We try to batch as much of that we can as we can. So we try to focus, 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 focus on one task at a time without interruptions. And again, minimize the time you put into that. Keep up with it because Parkinson's law will eat up your time. Again, you will use all the time that you allot for a task. And if you don't allot any time for it, it'll take up until you get tired which may or may not be a good thing. Probably not a good thing. Uh, You're just going to waste time. So next, uh, problem clients, quick callbacks, those kinds of things. Again, if they're problem clients, you know, whether it's something that's that big a deal for you that you have to call them back immediately, maybe you're waiting on a specific call and all, and you tell your staff, okay, I will take this one interruption, but this one and this one only. Now, when you do have clients that are time eaters. There are some specific little tricks I've learned to deal with those people. What I do is I schedule it. I make sure that I find out a time that they can take my call. I don't usually let them through to me anytime. I don't train clients, particularly problem clients. If you call anytime, you can harass the staff till they get through to Mr. Goolsby. Nope, ain't the way it works. This is the way it works. They call up I need to speak to Mr. Goolsby. I've got an emergency. What's that emergency? You don't ask. The staff doesn't ask, can I ask what that is? Because they'll get a no. What's the emergency? Well, it's uh, it's something I can only talk with him about. We're here to help. If you can let me know a little bit more, uh, let me know a little bit more about it. Again, no yes or no questions. 
I'll make sure Mr. Goolsby knows so he can look at the file and respond back to you. Typically, if you've got a polite staff person who doesn't ask yes or no questions as you have trained them, they ask, what is the issue? I'll let Mr. Goolsby know. We'll do the research. He'll call you back. Then I know what it is, so I call back. Mr. Jones, I understand you're upset that your package didn't get off Friday. You know, and, and so you, you've automatically, yeah, I want to know why. Why is my package not out? I need to get this case settled, blah, blah, blah. Well, I've already, I already know. I'm not caught blind. So I can then get into exactly what's happening. Now, I find over and over and over again with my problem clients, and they're few, and again, it's like that 20-80 rule. You know, 20% of your clients take up and make, and make up 80% of your problems. Hopefully, it's a lot less than that. It's 1% make up 99%, but it's going to be 20 or less unless you've got a badly run practice. Uh, it's going to be 20% or less take up 80% of your time. So when you deal with them first, you set a time limit for the telephone call calling in. So you know what it's about. You call him and say, hey, Mr. Jones, Tom Goolsby calling you back. I've got a conference call. I've got to go on in about 10 minutes, but I didn't want to put this off anymore. Wanted to call you back about your concern about your settlement package not getting out on Friday. Let me tell you why it didn't. It didn't because we didn't have this record in or my paralegal was sick, whatever. We've got it ready. It's going out today. What else do you need? So I've already dealt with their issue. I've answered it. Ask them what else they need to make them happy. Then if they prattle on about a million other things, I've already preloaded the conversation for the troubled client that I hear from, you know, that I've heard from several times before that's not happy with anything ever, no matter how good a job you do. And again, these are clients at some point, if they're too much trouble, you do a cost-benefit analysis and you consider firing them. And we have another podcast on how to fire the client that needs to go. And that's the way we look at it at my firm. If we've got problem clients that we just can't help and nobody else can, we fire them. And we'll talk more about that. But you set a time limit. Then if you run over that time limit and they're still going on, 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 you say, Mr. Jones, I've got to go to this other call. What about I call you back at 4.15? I've got about, uh, about another 15-minute time slot I can. Let's, though, in the last couple minutes I got, tell me exactly what it is you need me to get your answers to. So now you're getting from them exactly what it is you're supposed to call them back about so that you can hone that down and you can call them back with specific answers. Now, that, again, with the time limit you've already self-imposed for the follow-up call, you're going to be able to get on that call and be able to, again, limit your time and answer the questions. And if you deal with a situation like you sometimes deal with, well, I'm just not satisfied. I need more of your time. I need a daily call to update me on what, you know, you're dealing with the wrong person. Those are the kind of clients that, we will tell you how to, again, determine if they're worth trouble, how much they're worth, and get rid of them. Another thing that you can, of course, do if you're billing on an hourly basis, which we don't recommend, although we do recommend hybrid fees sometimes, if you've got a case where you can bill at contingency, but you know that the client is going to be a lot of trouble and they have the ability to pay, you may reduce your contingency fee and have an hourly fee. And of course, then, you come up with what you bill for every phone call. Is it a quarter hour? Regardless, if you stop what you're doing, you bill them a quarter hour, a third of an hour, whatever it is you agree to. So again, those are also ways 
Once the client gets that first bill, after the first billing period that you might even send early, and they go berserk because they've called your office 20 times, and they have a bill for five hours worth of time, well, guess what? That's because you called. No, I'm not reducing that. You don't like it. Hey, that's what we agreed to. And again, gives you another reason to potentially get rid of a client who is making your life miserable. So the, that's how we deal with the problem clients and the quick callbacks. Now let's move on. Staff interruptions. I spoke about that at the very beginning of the broadcast. We're going to jump into that briefly, and then it looks like we're already pushing the 20-minute mark, so we're, we are going to break this in half. We're going to do part two after this, and we'll continue on, but let's jump into staff interruptions. Now, you got to remember that your staff, your staff needs to take breaks, needs to be able to do things. They need you, and they will want to access you, as you have probably let them, at any time they feel like they should be able to walk into your office. Well, you need to make sure that you stop that. That takes a meeting of you sitting down with the staff, sitting down with your associates, sitting down with the other uh, partners in your firm and saying, look, this wandering into people's offices, this constant, the partner gets up and runs out to the associate who runs out to the paralegal, who runs to the office manager, who runs to the reception, that stops. We don't do that anymore. We are going to change things in the firm. Also, you can email issues that you run into to your staff, to anybody else. You can email those that are not time urgent. You do, however, need to deal with your staff, and they need to deal with you. So how do you do it? You say, hey, don't, don't bother me anymore. Well, that isn't going to work. So what do you do? Well, you set up specific times of day to talk. It can be once an hour. It can be, because again, we're taking what, 50 minute time periods at the most to work. If you listen to some of our prior podcasts, we don't ever work more than 50 minutes at a time because you get, your, your brain gets tired and your productivity goes down between 30 and 50% if you work over an hour without taking a break. So every 30 to 50 minutes, you do take a bit of a break. And it may not make sense every time you take a break to talk to your staff because again, They've got things going on. What helps the most is you might have a morning time period where they know at 10.15 the partner's going to come in and see what's going on for the day and what they need help with. Uh, it may be at 1.30. It may be before lunch. It may be after lunch. Try to set a time period so they can plan that in their schedule when you need things and they need things. Now, the other thing you have to train your staff to do is to understand the difference between urgent and important. Urgent may be the dude from the software management, the time management company, who calls, the salesman who calls constantly, and I got to speak with Mr. I'm calling, I need, I called yesterday. You told me you'd get my, I need to speak to him. I, I'm waiting for, you know, your staff needs to know that you don't really care about the guy that's calling on his own agenda. Now, if it's the client that pays you $30,000 a month, whose son's just been arrested, yeah, that's probably a reason to bust down your office door and for you to help him get someone who can assist his son with the DWI he got last night and they just found out he's in jail. Yes, that is important. Other stuff may be urgent, but not important. you got to understand the stuff that's urgent and important, not just urgent. 
because those are the things that you deal with, and your staff's got to be trained on that. And if you've seen that little quote that we have online, in fact, I just put it on today, so it'll be popping up on uh, Facebook and Twitter later, but it's about how your staff does not only what you train them, what they really do is what you train them to do, and they know you monitor. So again, if you teach all this stuff and you don't bother to enforce it or to check that it's being done, you're just wasting your time. You might as well stop listening right now, push the stop button, and go back to playing Angry Birds. <laughs> okay. Now, lastly, reception. We all have receptionists or people who have reception functions. You need to set time periods and switch them off those duties. If you got more than one person, hopefully you do, or you have the ability to use more than one person. Maybe you've got an automated service that you, I don't mean automated as in, they just get a recording, worst thing you could do. But maybe you have one of these services where they've got live people that answer for your firm. They are annoying. They're better than getting voicemail. Almost all the time, they're better than getting voicemail. But you may have downtime, slow times during the day, lunchtime, you know, the early afternoon. And you can monitor this and figure out when do we get the least amount of phone calls for new business? You know, when's the best time for me to give my reception person a break? Now, if you've got two people, you can switch that off. I mean, you, you can turn around and say, hey, Judy is my receptionist for the majority of the day, but Judy's going to have a break. Uh, two hours a day. Maybe it's from 11 to noon, and maybe it's from uh, 3 to 4. And then Judy can do her other jobs. Well, you say, wait a minute, Judy's just a receptionist. No, you should never, ever, ever have anybody who's just a receptionist, who when the phones aren't ringing, they're just sitting there twiddling their thumbs. No, they have other jobs to do. You figure out what it is they have to do, and you pile it on, and you have them do it, and you give them time limits to get it done. But you don't just have somebody who sits there and paints their nails, twiddles their thumbs, runs around the office bugging everybody else when the phones aren't ringing. No, no, no. And you do give them a certain time period or periods per day that they can accomplish those tasks. And of course, when the phones aren't ringing, they can be working on those too. But I'm talking about specific time periods where they can focus on other things and getting things done. It's going to be good for them. It's going to be good for you. It's going to allow you to utilize them for more things that are going to help your practice succeed in bigger and better ways. Now, that is about the first half of this podcast on time management the right way. I hope that you found this helpful so far. We really appreciate you listening. We like to hear back from you. We'd love to hear your feedback. All you got to do is go to Facebook and Twitter. You can go to our website, which is masteringlaw.com. You can also email us, masteringlawatlive.com. We'd love to hear from you. If you have suggestions for a show, better ways to do things, tricks you've learned, we're always happy to have those. Also, please subscribe to our podcast at iTunes. If you like what we are doing and you appreciate the help we give you for free, we ask you to do one thing, subscribe. And go in there and give us a five-star rating and say some nice, nice things about us. It'll help us out a great deal. Thank you so much for listening from MasteringLaw.com.